This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Thanks to this episode's sponsor, LLC, TLC. They are just doing an incredible job saving you money on your registration. Be sure to register your vehicles, airplanes, boats, street legal, side-by-sides, and trailers to your own Montana LLC, and you will pay $0 in sales tax. So go to LLCTLC.com for more information. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. This is more surprising results from Monterey. So first off, if you're joining me on YouTube, I apologize. There are no pictures or videos for this episode just because I have been so swamped. It's just been really, really hard to uh, to get caught up and ahead on some of these things. So why am I doing another episode of Monterey? Well, because a lot happened that I didn't necessarily capture last week. There's been some great articles that have come out from different news outlets that do a better job of capturing a few things. So I wanna review a few of those here momentarily. But first, I just kinda wanted to give you a recap of what I've been up to since our last podcast. Last episode, I was podcasting, I think from a hotel room. Uh, No, actually I was in the basement of my sister's house. And then I judged at the Ferrari Annual Experience in Bend, Oregon for a little bit of background. It's such an honor to judge anywhere that has incredibly cool cars such as Ferraris or any major Concours event. So I'm very blessed to be able to do that. And this one was especially cool because I had never been to Bend, Oregon before. It's run by Leslie Blinn, who is super awesome, or at least the Concours piece of it was. And just some outstanding stellar cars were available, including a Ferrari Nart Spider, one of 10 ever made, one of two alloy cars. yellow one that's absolutely stunning and beautiful go to my instagram page you can see a video of that driving by so there was really high quality cars now the the headache with this is it was this past monday two days ago and i had to get out to the show field at 7 a.m and i foolishly volunteered to do the bella copa machina judging afterwards so the first half of the day was judging really cool old ferraris Now, typically you judge four to six cars. Our class had nine cars, which was really insane, including a 250 GT short wheelbase car. So that was really crazy. Instead of taking, let's say, two hours to judge, and we would have been done by 11 o'clock, 11.30, we didn't get done until 2 o'clock because we had so much to do. One thing that was very cool is one of my fellow judges Uh, owned the 250 short wheelbase GT that we were judging. He owned it for 35 years. So hearing some stories from him about that incredible car was really cool, although that did slow us down a little bit, obviously. Uh, So anyways, really, really cool. Now, I had to scarf down lunch around 2.30 in the afternoon when everybody else was done, and I had to run over to do the Copabella judging, which that was the first time I had ever done that. And it's really fascinating because basically what you do is when you – take your Ferrari to get that type of judging done. It is a functional use judging. It checks every aspect of the Ferrari to see if it functions as it left from the factory. Now, I mean everything. Let's talk about turn signals. So not only do you want left turn signal, right turn signal, you want to check the light bulbs up front, the light bulbs in the back, but you also have to do that while driving so that you know, you, you're turning left, you go around a curve to the left, the road straightens out, have to make sure that it cancels as it's supposed to cancel. Now, on the newer cars, this would include scrolling through the infotainment system. It includes checking the AC, checking the heat. It includes 
driving the car up to 85% of redline through numerous gears. It includes looking at the car after going on a drive for 5.8 miles. And at that time, you look underneath the car for any sort of drips, anything like that. So it was very, very fascinating. Not only that, you had to check the driver, the owner's insurance, proof of title, um, you know, everything, oh, their driver's license, you know, everything had to be in date and accurate in order to get this rating. So why would you want to do such a thing? Well, it's cool to do, you know, just to show that your car can go through all the rigors of Copabella. Um, and then you can also participate in a Copabella race on track, but it's only the cars that pass that that are allowed to do so. Now, if you get one thing wrong, you're out. So I had an example where the guy forgot to bring his proof of ownership, so he was out. The next person I had in their car, the guy forgot to bring the 13 pages of forms. We thought he was out initially. I was beginning to get the nickname Kiss of Death. Thankfully, he filled it out again, and we were able to do the entire process, and he passed, which was awesome. By the end of that, it was 5.30 in the evening. I was the last guy to leave the field. Uh, thankfully, I got a ride in a nice 4.30 Ferrari back to the hotel, which was cool. And then we had a 5 a.m. flight on Tuesday. So uh, I am pretty, pretty whooped. But I'm here for you, and I do want to talk about more of the results from Monterey. All right, so Jalopnik had a fun, <laughs> a fun article. And uh, I'm just going to read through it here, some of the highlights. Uh, it was really, really good. So, will someone please think of the billionaires? It seems like even they are not immune from the rocky car market we're currently in. There's no better example of this than this year's auction at Monterey Car Week. According to Bloomberg, by the end of the weekend, total sales grossed a bit over $400 million across five auction houses, including after sales. That may sound like a lot of money because it is. But sales are actually down for $473 million last year. Adding to that, an average sell-through rate of 68% for 1,225 cars fell short of the 78% rate for just over 1,000 cars on the block last year. In fact, some bidders actually maligned the fact that there were too many cars this year. For reference, the outlet says a sell-through rate of over 80% is considered healthy for a car auction. All right, just for a little bit of insight to that, I know I can speak from the RM Sotheby's perspective as a consultant for them. This is not their official take. But I know last year we had some stellar collections, including the $100 million Oscar Davis collection. So from uh, Sotheby's perspective, to get anywhere close to what was sold last year, which is seen as a major achievement, you just can't go out and find another $100 million collection to consign at an auction. So the car specialists were really working with their clients to get the best cars to the auction in a timely manner, and uh, they did a tremendous, amazing job. All right, going back to the article, average prices were also down at just $477,000 from $592,000 last year. Even Ferraris, cars considered to be market-proof struggled. Bloomberg says that at Bonhams, a 1967 Ferrari 412P sold for $30.2 million. That does include the seller's fee, which was actually far less than the expected $40 million it was supposed to sell for. Now, to be transparent, I talked to a couple experts in the field, and they said $30 million was the right number for that car. Prior to the auction, I did hear $40 million was the number. All right, a 1964 Ferrari 250 LM at RM Sotheby's reached $17 million 
but it never hit reserve and ended up not selling at all. Now, I just talked to one of the car specialists today, as a matter of fact, on another topic, and he thinks that might be sold any time now, so we will see. Meanwhile, this is the author's perspective. I'm sitting in my tiny one-bedroom apartment thinking about how $10,000 would change my life right now. That is totally true. All right, now here are the top sales according to Bloomberg. The top sale of the week was that 1967 Ferrari 412P Berlinetta. It was followed by a 1957 Jaguar XKSS Roadster that sold for $13.2 million at Arm Sotheby's. And a 1962 Ferrari 250 GT short wheelbase Berlinetta which went for almost $9.5 million at Gooding. A 1959 Ferrari 410 Super America Coupe did well at $6.6 million from R.M. Sotheby's, as did a 1937 Bugatti 57 SE Tour that sold for almost $5.4 million. All told, Ferraris accounted for half of the top 10 sales, typical for Monterey. I want to say last year, Ferraris were 9 of the top 10 sales, and Sotheby's had 8 of the top 10 sales. All right, Gooding & Company had a 76% sell-through rate, and R.M. Sotheby's had 86%. They each had four cars in the top 10 sales of the week, while Bonham's 73% sell-through and Broad Arrow 80% sell-through each had one. The top sale at Meekum, only a 56% sell-through rate, which is pretty shocking, was a 1966 Ferrari 275 GTB2 long-nose alloy coupe that sold for $3.4 million. All right, let's see. The outlet asserts that these numbers mean there is plenty of money out there, but buyers aren't as likely to settle for less than perfect examples of vehicles they want. One area that did pretty well at Monterey was pre-war vehicles. This is very interesting because I believe the next generation of collectors are looking at pre-war vehicles. So I'm always fascinated, especially to see if the person that just bought it, if they're under the age of 75, honestly. All right, let's see. And that doesn't include the 1937 Mercedes-Benz 540K Special Roadster that won the top prize at Pebble Beach. Three of Gooding's top five sales were pre-war cars. A 1937 Bugatti Type 57SC and a 1933 Packard were also strong sellers for RM. Ferraris, as is tradition, also did fairly well, according to Bloomberg, even if they weren't in good shape. So this is referencing the RM Sotheby's barn find sale. R.M. Sotheby's popular barn finds a group of 20 derelict Ferraris displayed in a recreation of a hurricane-damaged barn also punched way above their weight. Some of them even took more money than comparable restore, restored versions. If you were there on site, you might have noticed a stuffed raccoon waving from the passenger seat of one of the cars. A rusty 1956 Ferrari 250 GT Coupe Special by Pininfarina sold for $1.6 million dollars. A cracked 1964 250 GTL Berlinetta, uh, Berlinetta Lusso went for $907,000. Most notably, the empty twisted carcass of a 1954 Ferrari 500 Mondial Spider Series 1 by Pininfarina sold for almost $1.9 million, near the $2 million a similar one in far better condition took in 2022. The bill to restore the shell to its former glory will require an additional few million dollars. So what have we learned here? Well, there, there are a few lessons to be had. One, billionaires are apparently getting more picky. Two, you can sell a hunk of metal for nearly $2 million if it says Ferrari on it. And three, I really need Joe Biden to cancel student debt. So that was a fun article from Jalopnik. If you're like me, you try to look them up online and their ads kill any chance to read their articles. But I'm glad I was able to read this one. 
All right, a few more notes from Classic Motorsports, and this compares 2023 to 2022, which is very interesting. The cooling market we've observed for the past 15 months reached the Monterey auctions after having little impact last year. Haggerty Automotive Intelligence is hearing of several factors stemming from the first season of Monterey auctions in a higher interest rate environment, namely an increased discipline at the higher end of the market, weakening demand from new collectors and higher prices that have given pause to buyers at the upper end of the market. I don't think any of that is new for any of you that listen to this podcast. I do believe everything's slowing. Uh, I don't see tremendous decrease in valuations, maybe here and there. I see more of a lack of increase, everything going flat for now. I think there will be a decrease, but I think it'll be slow. Honestly, I don't think it will be as sharp as it has happened in the past. Okay, overall sell through Saturday from all auction companies, $400 million, 86% sell through rate, average sale price, just under $480,000. Now let's see, I'm not gonna go through all of this because I covered a bunch of it earlier. What I will cover is comparing 2023 to 2022. For RM Sotheby's, they sold, let's see, as of this reporting, which wasn't totally accurate, uh, $154 million in 85% sell-through rate. I know that it was actually 86 by the time all the dust settled. Average sale price, $900,000. Compared to last year, they sold $228 million. So there's a big $75 million swing. But again, you had a $100 million Oscar Davis collection that's really hard to repeat Last year, they had a 93% sell-through rate. This year was 85, 86%, which is still stellar. All right, Gooding & Company, last year they sold $109 million. This year was $92 million. Last year, they had an 86% sell-through rate. This year, it was 76%. And their average price last year was $817,000. This year, it is $717,000. All right, for Broad Arrow, they had their inaugural auction last year. Last year, they sold $55 million. This year, it was 55.8. Their sell-through rate last year was 88%. This year, it was 80%. And their average price last year was $700,000. This year, it's just over $400,000. I covered some of the cars that did not sell, but their high sell was a 1955 Ferrari F50 Coupe for $4.3 million and a 1985-288-GTO that sold for just under $4 million. Uh, okay, for Bonhams, last year they sold $28.27 million, I'm sorry, $28 million. This year was $55 million, driven by that $30 million sale of the Ferrari 412P. Last year they had an 88% sell-through rate. This year it was 73%. And last year they had an average value of $230,000. This year, obviously, because of the big Ferrari sale, it was almost $700,000. Now, Mecham I found very interesting. So last year, they sold almost $53 million. This year, it was $43 million. Last year, they had a 65% sell-through rate. This year, it's 56% sell-through rate. And their average price last year was $180,000. This year, it's $135,000. So significant difference there. Mecham I find pretty interesting because they are doing a hard push in the Ferrari market, they've done a really, really good job. So as a member of the Ferrari Club of America, I can see all the ads they do, all the free passes they give to folks that are members. And it is reflective in some of their results. So their results for Monterey, their top six cars, 
their top six selling cars were Ferraris. Number one was that 275 we talked about earlier for 3.4 million. Number two was an F40 Coupe for 2.5. But also some of their biggest no sales were also Ferrari. Now, what was interesting as a welcome packet to the annual experience, there was a goodie bag and in it had, I'm getting it now, a little wooden toy by Candy Lab from Meekum. I thought this was brilliant. So it's for ages three plus. I qualify, so I'm going to play with it. Um, anyways, very interesting job. And then when I went into the lobby of the dinner one night, they had the incredible Ferrari 410 Spider that RM Sotheby sold last year. That was our record sale at Monterey last year for $22 million. It was actually bought by Dana Meekum. That's public, so I can say that. And that car was shipped to Bend, Oregon to be in the lobby. So I got a lot of respect for the efforts that they are doing. Now, one thing I will say, when it pulled up onto the show field for display, it went tearing through at a crazy high speed. Like it was not, I mean, it's a, it's a race car. So you have to run it faster than you would a street car. It needs to go fast to keep it moving. But it almost ran over a poor kid. You know, thankfully, if I were the dad, I probably would have punched the guy. But <laughs> he jumped out of the way with a smile and his dad was smiling as well. Just a gorgeous, incredible car, but boy, he tore up the green getting it out there. So anyways, very interesting stuff that happened at Monterey. Like I said, I just wanted to cover it a little bit more and go a little bit more in depth. The other thing I find fascinating, and I would like to uh, review this more in depth, maybe not about Monterey, but one of the future ones is percent of sales on non-reserve cars. So a couple of different things there. I want to I want to kind of look at the auction houses for non-reserve cars, they're obviously going to sell, but I wanna see how close are they within the estimate range by auction house. So did it sell for under the under the low estimate, at low estimate, mid estimate, high estimate? Did it overachieve expectations? I'd like to find that out by auction house. Now, a lot of folks get scared by the no reserve uh, aspect of it. I think digging into the numbers that way will give some very interesting clarity. Um, I'm not one that would throw my car at no reserve unless it was just the right auction and it made total sense, then by all means. Typically, you don't get burned on a no reserve, especially if it's a collection, because where one might underperform, another one will overperform. And RM Sotheby's has some very good historical data. I think there's like 11 no reserve collections that we've reviewed, and only one of them uh, sold for under the low estimate as a whole. Only one out of the 11. All the others hit mid-estimate or higher, which is really, really fascinating. The other thing I like to look at is take out the no reserve cars and find out the percent that were sold of cars with a reserve. So, for example, you know, if you had an 86% sell-through rate, but let's make it easy, but 50% of those cars were no reserve, well, what did the cars that had a reserve sell for? Were those accurate and good? So maybe that percent goes up to 90%, 93%. Or was it, you know, maybe their estimates were off and it sold below estimate or percent sold. So maybe that was not 86%. Maybe it was down to 70%. So I really like to see that, especially from a, the five auction houses that were in Monterey. I think that'd be pretty fascinating to see how they stack up. So if I get time this week, along with everything else I'm doing, I will be sure to do that. Maybe for next week. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Please share my YouTube channel. I will have Ferrari 250 GTO behind the scenes fun videos as we get closer to the November auction. And as always, I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.